I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair quest, quest, question. Hello, this is Vic Cohen, and you are listening to It's a Fair Question. It is a fair question. We are broadcasting live from downtown Los Angeles's Skid Row Studios. And if this is your first time listening, I promise I will be gentle. Now, the reason I call the show It's a Fair Question, because on this show, I may ask our guest anything, because everything is a fair question. There is nothing that is off limits. And if you've been listening a while, you know that I always bring in people who um, I find very interesting, fascinating, talented, who I think have a great story. Tonight's a little different. (laughs) (laughs) Our guest is completely untalented, has no story, but I wanted to challenge myself. Actually, that is entirely untrue. (laughs) She is amazingly talented. And I can tell you, I I am an excellent, um, I, I know... I'm a very good, uh, I can spot talent. Like I'm really good. I have a great sense of when someone has that it thing. And our guest has it. Only the positive it's. Nothing negative it. Like nothing that would test positive in something. She has it. She has charisma. She has an incredibly funny mind. She has a great sense of who she is as a comedic character. She's ambitious. She works her ass off and I find her to be an inspiration and I'm just thrilled that she has taken time to visit us. I'm talking to you, Kate Van Devender. Thank you. That was the best introduction I've ever gotten. Really? Well, especially on Skid Row. Yes. And I know you've been quite a frequent guest here at the network. (laughs) (laughs) No, make sure you get right on top of that mic. Okay. Oh, that's so much better. Yes, thank you. And this is a big night for us because we have cameras. So keep your clothes on unless well, you want your first sex video or right. second sex video second out. Second sex video. <laughs> we won't talk about the first. Oh, no. I had a feeling which clip you were going to show. Yeah, that's right. So um, we met a long time ago, uh, probably three or four, maybe five years ago. And uh, it's been just fantastic to see uh, your career and, and just you grow. Thank and, you. Uh, and I'm so excited for you. And the timing is just perfect in your career in that you had learned very recently some very exciting news, and I'd like you to share it with me and all of our listeners. You, that's you listening. Uh, I just booked my very first professional TV writer gig, and I'm writing um, on a new CBS sitcom that will come out this January called Friends with Better Lives, Uh created by Dana Klein. It's very funny. I'm so excited because my it's it's a dream come true for me because my entire life I've just wanted to write comedy and run on TV and this is sort of the big platform and I finally got the job. I just can't believe it. I'm still so excited. Yeah, that's so exciting. <laughs> I'm excited for you. Now, who's Dana Klein? Because you, uh, you mentioned her name and most people don't know who that is, including myself, although I kind of know... If- from a little bit. Dana Klein's, she's an incredible writer. She, uh, I think one of her first jobs was on a Friends. Mm-hmm. So she's sort of, you know, was one of the people that helped, for, you know, um, make one of the most successful American sitcoms of all time. And uh, she's just a really, she's an amazing person. She's she's done tons of TV sitcom. And now this is her first um, showrunner gig where it's her own show. And it's, you know, um, mm-hmm. got a 13 episode order and it's 
It's it's it's super great. Again, the name of the show is Friends with Benefits, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's a different oh, show. Wait, it's a different. Oh, sorry, it's a totally different <laughs> show. Uh, friends with Better Lives, and it's a the premise is there's a, a group of friends. Some of them are single, some of them are married, and they, and they, all they of hang them, out in a coffee shop. They, <laughs> Right? <laughs> two of them are dating. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, and secretly, it's kind of a grass is greener kind of situation. Like, they're generally happy people, but they're, you know, envious of each other's lives a little bit. Like, we are. So there's a little bit of a kind of an edge a bit. No, it's actually, I mean, it's, it's they're genuinely likable people. It, it's, it's, um, it's more just, you know, if you're married, you kind of, miss the days you know you don't know what you have until it's gone kind of thing and if you're single you're just trying to be married uh the uh two two of the characters are married one is divorced one is um engaged and one is single and it's every combination of relationship you can how do their lives intertwine they are friends. <laughs> and they hang out at the central place. Also, there's only only the pilot has been produced, so we don't know how their lives intertwine yet. Okay. Um, no, but two of them are coworkers and uh two of them are married, so they're they're just it's a group of friends. Okay. Now this is a big moment in your life. <laughs> yes. I don't want to make you nervous. <laughs> but you said you've always wanted to write for TV. Yes. You get this big offer. Yes. Now we're at the end of May. Mm-hmm. You start when's your starting date? June tenth. Okay, so about twelve days. Correct. And what are you doing to prepare Everything. for the biggest job of your life? Everything, including coming on our show. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's kind of great because I've never, I've never done this before. I've never been in a writer's room before. I mean, the, it's it's a miracle I have this job. I'm so so just grateful and pleased. And um, but it's kind of great because I I don't know exactly what my job is. So I'm uh, preparing for it as if I'm the only writer on this show and I'm going to have to write 13 episodes by myself in the first week. That's pretty much the level of preparation I'm doing. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that I think you're a brilliant writer. Thank you. You are so prepared already that if you did nothing and just sunbathed for the next 10 days, you would be more than prepared. And I'm going to play a little clip in a little bit from one of the things you've already done. I'm surprised that you haven't gotten the, you know, hired on way before today. So uh, you're an example of perseverance. And I'm curious. That's you, that's so nice. I have to thank you. That's really nice. Well, it's the truth. That's, that's I'm not just, just lovely. That. Thank it's you. It's absolutely the truth. And a lot of people uh, I find, I do this myself, will look at someone who's successful and it looks like it, they don't know the story at all to where they got there. Mm. how they got there. Mm-hmm. So you, um, pretty, smart, young woman, getting on a uh, sitcom, it can be very easy for the listener, anyone to go, oh, well, she, you know, it was easy for her. But I know that it wasn't easy. And I like your attitude that you're really excited and you don't consider it an easy thing. Yeah, you know, I, I, I th- I'm i a late bloomer in a lot of ways. And, 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 and um, I think early on, I figured out that I did not want to be miserable at any moment during this whole career process. And that has saved me a lot of strife because I think a lot of people are waiting for a break or waiting for the job to make them happy. And I, I, I realized at some point early on that if I was going to do that, I would never be able to write comedy because comedy for me is about the, you know, experience of joy. And I felt like, 
if I was always, you know, wondering when I was going to make it, I would just spend, my life became very miserable. And so I decided early on that no matter what stage of my career I was in, I was going to, I was going to find a way to be happy. And in some ways this job it's so great, but in other ways, I was already happy before it came. You know, I kind of already figured that part out. So um, this feels just more like enjoying it. But I think that was a big part of of how to... That is, I want to tell you, that is a great insight. And you're lucky you discovered that early because I don't think people, some people, and it doesn't have to even be in entertainment, they never discover that. No. That happiness, yeah. it's cliched that happiness is a choice. Yeah. Now for you, what did that mean? That meant staying in action, creating, that's what created happiness? No, it came at a really specific moment. I was in New York. I, I, after I graduated from college, I went to New York and worked there as an actor. And I'm a very type A person. You know, I, I'm like, if you tell me the the system for how to do things, I will do those things. And, um, you know, there's really no system for how to make it. <laughs> and so I ended up hitting my head against a wall for several years in New York and kind of doing all the things that you're supposed to do as an actor. Like, you know, I took all the best classes and I tried to get an agent and, got the best headshot photographer and all that kind of stuff. And I was so miserable because I would go to these auditions and there were like, you know, 500 other blondes who looked exactly like me auditioning for this one tiny role. And I, I just thought there, this can't be it. This just, it can't be it. And I had this one friend, his name is Armando Riesco. He's an incredible actor and he was a friend of mine from college and he he was outrageously successful very early on. He just got all these big major motion pictures and he's, he's just a great actor. But on top of that, he had this way of being really relaxed. Like he just kind of wasn't worried about things and he was still successful. And so I thought this is so weird because I, to me, I was thinking, oh, the more I worry, the more successful I get. And I was looking at Armando and he was just sort of coasting in this really beautiful way. So I took, I took him out to lunch. I didn't know him all that well, but I took him out to lunch and I said, how are you doing what you're doing? Like, you know, this is what I'm doing. What are you doing? I don't understand how you have this flow. And he said, and he was like listening to all my like career action plan and you know, all the stuff that I kind of set up for myself. And he like, listen and listen. And then he goes, you know, you can do whatever the hell you want. Right. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you know, you can do whatever the hell you want. Like you, there aren't any rules. You don't have to do what all these seminars say or your acting teachers say or whatever. You don't have to do any of that. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it took me about six months to really get it. And I didn't know how to, I didn't know. I didn't, if you don't play by the rules, it's like, what do you do? Where do you start? And I didn't know. So I, all I knew was I had to quit every single thing that I was doing. Every single thing that I was doing, I, w I quit. So give me that list. I fired my manager. I left my agency. I broke up with my boyfriend. I told everybody I was retiring from acting. And um, I prepared to leave New York and go home to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I did. I did all those things. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm going to stay really still until it comes and finds me because I, I, can't, I can't go pursue it because I'm too tired. <laughs> Were you burned out? Yeah, I was burned out and I was just mostly like, I felt like I had, you know, I was like, God, I, I, I think I'm really talented, but nobody seems to know that except for me. <laughs> it was like a secret and I couldn't, I, cause I wasn't, I was just auditioning and kind of not doing very well. And I was like, nobody can see it. I don't know how to get them to see it. I think I have it. I was sort of like, sort of sure 
but I didn't have any way of showing it. And so I went home for almost a year and just like, you know, kind of got really centered. And then at some point I, I ended up getting an offer for an off-Broadway show and I went back to New York for eight months. And then at that point I kind of figured it out and I was Hold like- Hold on a second. I have to back up. Yes. Okay? It's like you just say that casually. Uh, I happen to get an off-Broadway show. I mean, <laughs> a lot of you're saying things weren't going very well. They but weren't. very few people get a call- it's true. Um, you know, th thousands this of miles away go, <laughs> hey, uh, can you come to our off-Broadway show? We'd love to have you. I mean, that's a big moment. Oh, it was totally big. And what had happened was I had done this really, um, it was a great show, but it was in this crappy little theater, like off 42nd Street. It was an off-off-Broadway production, like five years earlier. Okay. And it was, um, it was a great play. It was called Sealed for Freshness. It was about five women at a Tupperware party in 1968. And it was super fun, but it, it was just funny. like, it was great. I love it because my mom had Tupperware parties when she was younger. Did she? So, they still have Tupperware parties, yeah. I found out. But I don't want to get too caught up on that Broadway thing, but I just want to bring that up. Yeah, I don't know the, No, we on the off-Broadway thing. Oh, I could, I could. <laughs> but so, so this was obviously uh, a great moment. I mean, to get a call great. like that, you did that. Out of the blue, they were like, we're going to revive that show, but we're doing a million dollar production off-Broadway. Do you want to come back and do it? How long, would you say you had a breakdown when you left or was this a, um, this was, it sounds like it was a very conscious choice. Boom. I'm not doing, I'm doing, I'm moving, I'm breaking up. I'm moving to Albuquerque. I'm fire ministry. That seemed like it was very conscious. It was very, uh, not done out of uh, emotion and uh, versus. Well, I had a near death experience. So that was probably part of it. Did I not mention that part? <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. Um, okay. So basically what happens, what happened was I, uh, I, okay, here's what happened. Basically, I woke up to the realization that I wasn't happy because I didn't actually know that. Especially, how old were you? <laughs> this is like in New York in the heat of the misery. Like and everything. how old? Oh, like 26. Okay, you've been out of college for a while. Yeah, I've been out of college working like job after job after Waitress job. Waitress jobs, job. typical kind of. Const I work construction mostly. I thought so. <laughs> I, I picture you hammering drywall and carrying <laughs> totally. lumber. I worked as a waitress and then I, I just was like, oh, I can't stand being a cliche waitress actress. So I had right. this customer so who was a, be a construction lumber. worker. Okay, yeah. so you're 26. I'm 26. You have this epiphany. Yeah, so I, you know those, okay, so here's but how let's it hear happens. the near-death thing. Okay, near here's death. how it went yeah. down. It's really stupid. <laughs> Most near-death stories are. No, no this is really dumb. Yeah. yeah. You know those kids that die of eating peanuts? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have an allergy like that only to seafood. I'm like the really? I'm like that person that if you know I eat a hamburger that's been grilled on the same grill as a fillet, it's over for me. Oh my god! So I've had this my whole life. To me, it's not a big deal because like a cheap date. Eh. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> Guys yeah. must love you. No lobster for yeah, this girl. Just salad, thank you. Yeah, oh my god! Uh, huh? I'd be um, taking you to seafood places all the time. <laughs> you bastard! The lobster. You... Oh god, red lobster. That's my dream. I, really? I have fantasies about red lobster. Or, yeah. I was talking. Hey, come on! I was talking the lobster. <laughs> yeah. You know the one in Santa Monica. It's very nice. Yes, I wouldn't know, but I'll take. I'll take you there. It. You can have a salad. <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, go on. Okay, so one night I was in my apartment. I was working late, and I had gotten this pro this protein bar. This is why it's such a stupid story. It's so, you know, it's just like ridiculous. But I had this protein bar. Apparently I had some fish in it, some like fish oil in it. It wasn't on the ingredients label. And I ate it really quickly and started having, going into anaphylactic shock, oh my which God. feels like you're suffocating. It's really unpleasant. I gave myself some epinephrine shots. It didn't slow it down. It was really quick. You know, it was very quick. And so I was like, 
you know, I, I remember, I remember my brain went into crisis mode and my crisis mode is very logical. I was like, okay, I'm in New York. What's faster cab or ambulance kind of a toss up. I'm going to take a cab. I walked down the street and I was hailing a cab and my throat was so closed. I couldn't, um, I went, Oh, nobody knew where I was. I didn't have roommates or anything. So I, ca- I called my friend. So somebody would know I was going into the hospital and I started talking to her and then my throat was so closed. It was triggering mm. my gag reflex and I was like about to vomit. So I was like, okay, I need to not vomit. Cause then a cab won't pick me up, but I need to tell my friend where, you know, it was like kind of all these coordinating things to try to survive. Yeah. And long story short, made it to the hospital, made it <laughs> through the next morning. And I woke up in this crummy hospital on 118th street. And I was, is that a bad neighborhood? It's not great. Okay. <laughs> it's not great. And I was alone and it was like, oh, this, I, if this were my last day on this planet, I would be so pissed. Like this can't be it. This can't be it. This can't be my crappy, you know, these terrible auditions that I don't care about. And the wrench that I can barely pay and the three jobs that I work. This can't be it. There has to be something better. And that's when I decided to kind of quit everything and close up shop and just see what was out there that was better. So and you went back to uh, New Mexico. You went and did, then you get this call after about a year about, hey, we want you to do this off-Broadway play. You go back to New York. Right. And then you shortly thereafter, after the play closes, you move to Los Angeles? Yeah, I did this play, which turned out to be amazing because it's when I realized I was a comedian because I, I always knew I was sort of a clown. It kind of, you know. Right. I was, that's surprising you didn't know. I, well, you know, I was what a class clown in high school, but it, it was, it just, it, because it came naturally, I was like, oh, well, drama is where it's really hard. You I went, really would have succeeded in drama. Well, you went you to know? Northwestern. Mm-hmm. What did you study? Acting. So you were a theater major? Yes. At Northwestern? It was very intense. You were doing all the plays there? Yes. So you're very and I was well a mime. trained. No. Yeah. I was part of a brilliant mime show. It's funny because they don't this really. Is where t- this interview gets very dorky. <laughs> oh no, it's been dorky. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because they don't they don't talk about the mime program. And Northwestern. Get it? I would- <laughs> You'd be against the whole philosophy of. <laughs> um, yeah, so you were a mime. <laughs> it's usually a conversation stopper. <laughs> yeah, we really hit the skids here. A hundred percent. So, but did you do any shows where you actually spoke? No, it's mime. So you never forget your lines, right? It's great. Oh no, it's ridiculous. No, it's your hard. lines are all told with physically. It's well, we, really we hard. Have a camera it's so there. meticulous. We have a camera. Go up to the camera <laughs> and real quick and give us some mime. You're a professionally trained mime for one of the best theater schools in, in the world. Tell me a quick little story. Yeah, that's it. Just walk right up to it. Okay, is that the rope? That's the rope. Keep going. You're classically trained. Don't stop. I mean, what, I mean, this is like, what is this? What's that? Wait, let me see. You're walking. Where are you going? <laughs> keep going. You're keep. Okay, go on more. I, I love this. Honestly, the reason it's dorky for other people, they don't actually, wait, let's see one more. Give me your hardest thing that like, you know, like you're like, I'm for real. Well, I can do the box, you know. No, not the box, but these are just illusions. Like we had full on like stories. Give them. Them. Yeah, you have so an audience. I know because this is great. We're going to take advantage of these cameras. The guy didn't drop $10,000 yet. Like, for camera, we're going to use it. Let me see your best right, move. Like if you were... Here's one. Here's the ladder. <laughs> She's going up. She's going up the ladder. She's going up all the way. She's on the ninth floor. She just... Whoa, it's high up there. 
<laughs> I'm sure your parents must have been thrilled. You're getting so applause in there. That's great. I'm sure your parents are really thrilled to drop about $200,000 on your... That would be... That's them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, um, it's pretty nerdy, but no, awesome. that's great. I loved it. No, honestly, it was pretty. I yeah. feel like if you can tell a story without words for two hours, there's right. nothing you can't do after that. Well, the good thing is, you, did you have a lot of deaf audiences? Because, like, um, I would imagine that I'm serious. Like, that's perfect for people who can't hear. We right? did sometimes perform. We did one show for the deaf, remember? Right. I'm sure. I bet they loved it. <laughs> The part is you the could talk and it wouldn't so matter. Successful. No, that's a bad show for the blind people. Awkward. Yeah. Awkward. So um, when you were at Northwestern, and I'm surprised, so you thought you were a serious dramatic actress yeah, from all like, your oh, mime work. I want to be Meryl Streep. Because <laughs> all the great serious well, actresses the started in mime. <laughs> but you understand, <laughs> I love we that. were really pretentious mimes. We took ourselves very seriously. I hate, those, I hate you pretentious We were like, mimes. we don't do street mime. We only work in the theater. But meanwhile, we have full on white face. Right, and you do. <laughs> right now. Yeah, it was, <laughs> um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's a great story. So It's pretty awesome. That's very fun. So uh, you come back here, uh, you're what, 27 maybe? Yeah. 28, 27? Yep, 28, yep. 28, and, and this is a great story because at that point, uh, you really didn't have, you had a little bit of acting experience in New York, but you really were starting from scratch. Yeah, I was starting from scratch. Well, mainly I was starting from scratch because I knew I didn't want to do things the way I had been doing them before. So how have things been done differently? And also, before you answer that, what I love about your story, and I hear this from people, truly the most successful people, is that they just do it. Yeah. And that's what you're saying. You just did it. Yeah. And that's one of the things- I feel like I didn't have a choice. I feel like I was like, let my soul die or- do do something different. Did you wake up every morning with a purpose, like a drive or? Yeah, but it was different. It wasn't a drive to succeed. It was just a drive to create. create. Okay. Yeah. And are you susceptible uh, to depression, anxiety? Anxiety. Uh, things that would get in your way? Yes, anxiety. Okay. How did you overcome anxiety? Well, what I know now <laughs> is that when I do not feel the fear. That energy that is around the fear goes up to my brain and cycles around and becomes anxiety. So when I feel anxious, it takes me a little bit but to realize what's happening. But when I feel anxious, I stop and see if I can figure out what the fear is underneath it and then feel that fear. And once I feel it, it goes away. Like for example, for example, the job interview for this gig that I just got, Yes. I had went on like, you know, I, I went out, um, I interviewed last year and didn't get a job. I went out this year. I had I interviewed for like six, five or six shows. And when you do the interview, is it with the executive producer often? Yes. The, or the creator of the show? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, usually. Um, didn't get a job. And I was totally fine with that. I love interviews. So I was having a ball. Um, but this was my last interview. And... Of they this had year. one of, of this, this year uh-huh. and they had one slot left. And up until this point, I hadn't been nervous at all for anyone. And I'd met Dana, the showrunner last year and she's awesome. We totally hit it off. So I, I wasn't intimidated by her at all, but I was still feeling really tense. Yeah. And I was driving down to this interview and I said, oh, why, you know, why am I feeling so tense? And then I was like, I'm not tense to meet Dana. I'm actually afraid of facing my life 
after this interview when I don't get the job. I don't want to face my life at that moment. So you already had figured out you will not get the job. No, I just, that was my, you that was the if, fear of it. I didn't know if I get the job or not. It was just that the nervous energy, that's where it was coming from. It was like, I, cause I could feel it getting desperate. It was like, just please give me this job, you know? And I was like, oh, if one thing is going to get me this job, it's that I'm cool and relaxed and not desperate. So I really need to get out of the desperation before I walk in to meet her. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, why am I desperate? And then I was like, oh, because if I don't get it, I have to face the fact that, I'm going to spend another year writing spec scripts. I have to figure out where to make money. I have to figure out emotionally who I need to call, you know, that kind of stuff. So once I kind of, I was like, all right, well, let's map it out. Let's, what, what will happen? Literally, what, what's your next move? And I was like, all right, well, here's my business. This is just in my head. If you were not to get the job, what would that look like? Right. Like in a very logical way. And when you saw that, you were more relaxed. Yeah. When I had it all solved, I was like, oh, I'll call this friend because I'll be, I'll be disappointed. So I'll call this friend. I will... I need a business plan. I need to, you know, do some other kind of work. I got that. Totally can do it. I will, um, I'll have to write some more spec scripts. That's okay. I'll spend another year doing that. Now, just for those of you listening who don't know what a spec script is, typically the way uh, writers like Kate get work, it's very common, is they write speculative scripts to shows that are currently on the air to demonstrate that the writer can can write in the voice of these characters that already exist. So that gives the executive- well, I mean, there's no money behind. So you're spending a lot of time writing right, but you're, st- samples. And the samples generally are never really shown to the real shows. Right. They're shown to people who are familiar with those other shows. In fact, there's often an idea that it's better not to write show a spec script to a show that a runner, <laughs> right. because they know the They're show better close. than anyone. Yeah. <laughs> and I suspect that was probably, the, what were your spec scripts? Uh, the one I wrote this year was for girls on HBO. One, you wrote one spec. Uh, yeah, the other ones were original that were my own okay. projects. So that was the only... And sp- Girls, sp- isn't that an hour show? Am I mistaken? No, it's half hour. Okay, but it's, is it a sitcom really? It's it's comedy, comedy dramedy-ish. Okay. This is the this is the one by the young writer. Lena um, Dunham, okay. yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's considered a major hit. Right. Do you right. think that being a woman helped you in getting <laughs> the job? I don't... No, that's a good question. I know I didn't get another job because I was a woman because they had already hired a, too many women and they oh, were looking that's for a guy. Yeah, and it was a show that was all almost all female comedians. So I was like, oh, I'm in. And then they're like, no, we've already hired too many women. We actually need a guy. <laughs> well, right. I want to I share with everyone, all of you listening, um, a little bit of what Kate has done. And I want to get into specifically those series in more depth. But you did one series recently. You did three episodes. You were hired. You were paid to not only star, but also to write this series starring you. Right. And produce and edit and web design. Okay. <laughs> and it's in, um, what was your budget? Can you tell me that? Or is that Five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, they gave us, I think, 1500 per episode. I mean, it was $1, just $1,500? Yeah. Now you did get to hire a director, right? He did it for free. Everybody did it for free, but hired. Okay. So hires. Quote unquote. The directing is great. I loved it. He's I, great. The directing is Gillette. fantastic. He's awesome. Did you yeah. learn a lot from him? Yeah, we uh, we just work really well together. We shared a brain. So it was it was lovely. Do, um, the name of the series again, tell everyone. It is Funny in Love. And where can people find it? At funnyinlove.com. And that's funny, new word in, new word love. It's, you can find it on YouTube. Kate, spell your last name for everyone. Get a pen, everyone. <laughs> it's long. <laughs> It's Van Devender. It's V-A-N-D-E-V-E-N-D-E-R. 
because here's the deal with Kate. Honestly, I really think you have the talent to, to go as far as you want. And I'm not just, I'm saying that because I see you having like Tina Fey-ish kind of, uh, or Amy Poehler, that kind of um, depth because you can write, you can direct. And you know what's great about you too? You know yourself comedically. Thank you. Yeah. Thank and it's you. it's very clear. And you, you did another series. Tell me that series. Um, the first one I did right when I got here was called The Actor Diaries because all I could think about was getting an acting job. <laughs> right. So I did, uh, so it's just four episodes. It's at actordiaries.com. And it's very short and simple and sweet. Right. And I, I suggest all of you listening, these are quick, short, little videos. But what I love about them is you're always vulnerable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like in the sensibility of you, like, I think, is that you really who you are? Because I feel yes, like it is. No, I mean, yes, I'm, it's actually, I have no problem being vulnerable. I have to turn it off sometimes when it's not appropriate. <laughs> well, it's appropriate here. <laughs> like in here, a business so. setting, but yeah, my, my heart is way open most of the time and it's often painful. Well, funny in <laughs> love. Now I suspect then you write what you live, correct? Yes. Funny in love is a series. Again, it's a short series with only three episodes, but it does uh, show you having a, a challenge in your love life. Yes. Is that true? <laughs> Do you have a challenge in your love life? Not anymore. I met the love of my life last year. Oh, congratulations. But before that, yes. <laughs> Good. Now, when you say the lovely life, you think this could be the one? I do. I have informed him of the situation. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank and is you. He, and who is he? He's a, a lawyer. Okay. Smart. <laughs> so smart. He's a, a federal prosecutor. So he puts drug lords and pedophiles behind bars. Okay. Good. He's, um, he's funnier than I am. Hard to believe, but okay. <laughs> Good. And, uh, you know, he's great. I can't speak highly enough about so him. So you were doing the series Funny in Love when you met him? No, I finished that before I met him. Okay. I met him afterwards. Okay, great. But he did see he did see that series before he went out with me, which is awkward. Do you mean he a wanted to see there. it? He wanted to see it. No, because we just were set up. To... Oh. And so his friend showed him, you know, before he went out on this like blind date, she was like, well, she's all over the internet. And so he watched. So he watched it, but it's awkward because there's this terribly awkward sex scene Is this in with Funny the in Love. Yes, I didn't find that so. Oh awkward. god, it's so painful. What's the name of that episode? What episode number is that? Sexy Clown is number two. I, can, I My advice to anyone is to never edit your own sex scenes. <laughs> it's so horrible. So you, so you have a sex tape out. <laughs> it's yeah, it's pretty PG for a sex tape. Did you see it, Jeremy? Have you seen her sex tape? Yeah, Jeremy, our our producer uh, slash uh, owner slash whatever. We he's a little bit of everything. He checked out the uh, series. What did you think of her sex scene, Jeremy? Pretty hot. <laughs> really? I hope not. It wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> well, anything with the word sex, he's going to find it hot. I know, I know. It does have the most hits, I think. Oh, speaking of which, real quick, not to divert too much, but Jeremy and I had a, we talked last week about a little challenge where um, Jeremy was going to go a whole week without masturbating. <laughs> and? and? It so, worked out, yeah. Really? I, I didn't do it, yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. And how was is your it? life different in yeah. any way? Um, we, we, we talked pretty in depth. Yeah, we did. And, uh, my girlfriend here actually listened to the show today after I posted it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She thought it was a really good one. So I was wondering why she can't walk. (laughs) (laughs) She went a week without masturbating and the poor girls walking around on crutches. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. Put her on the mic. Uh, Let me ask her, have you seen a difference? 
real quick, and then we'll get back to you, okay? This is no, pressing. This is way more important. Well, we went to San Diego, and it was, yeah, it was impressive. Really? <laughs> yeah. See, you should thank me. Yeah. I, was there I, a difference, I, though? There, there. I thought there was. It's a huge difference. Yeah, I've, I, I can, I can imagine. I mean, that's just energy. I can imagine that. I've gone now yeah. eight days, and one time I went twenty-seven. I'm ready to explode. <laughs> this is a lot of work. Are and you I, the more, most creative you've ever been in your I life? I am. But you talk about creative juices. <laughs> <laughs> Able to write. I'm like a funny machine right now. The juices are not flowing, but are flowing up here. All right. Well, thank you. I was because a lot of people have been asking about that, Jeremy. I just wanted to see how that worked out. Yeah, it can worked you, out. Can you go another week for me? I'm going to give it a try, yeah. Okay, cool. Going. We'll check into you ne- for, with you next week and, and your girlfriend. We'll see how she's doing. <laughs> oh, and that goes for you. No masturbating for you either, okay? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. <laughs> I don't know. Why did I say that stupid saying? Um, let's listen to, uh, Kate, uh, a, a clip okay. from your series. Now, before you play it, Jeremy, um, this is going to be, this is Funny in Love. The clip is from Man Whipped. Okay. Now, in that episode, the first episode of the um, three, Kate decides that it's a good idea to meet with her last boyfriend and to have a post-mortem, as you put it. Yes. Uh, She wants to know why he didn't want to go out on a second date. Has this ever happened? Have you really done this? Yes. (laughs) This is based on a true story. You know who you are. (laughs) About a guy who just kind of didn't, it seemed like a great date to me. And he, then he kind of didn't call and it just bugged me because I wanted to know why just because I was sort of pissed off about it, but also to improve for the next round, you know? Yeah. I feel like maybe that's a nice idea that we should just have kind of a, you know, you tell me the truth. I'll tell you the truth. We can both be On better paper, people. paper, it sounds great. It's in theory, perfect. Now is the scene we're about to hear, is this an embellishment? The scene you're about to hear it never happened. It's a fantasy of what would have happened. Okay, but it did. Actually, but you did do it, or you didn't do it. I you, didn't do it. I wanted. You wanted it. to. Okay, yeah. and this is how you imagine it would have played. Yes. Out. Okay, go ahead. Uh, let's play that clip, Jeremy. You know how to be genuine. What? 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 Wait, no, I'm sorry. You know what? what? Did this you is say that idea? That Wait, idea. hold on a sec, no, 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 Jeremy. No, let's no, back please. it up a little because I think we need the setup a little more. Yeah, yeah. I think go go five seconds before that enter uh, the Maybe end like point. 15, yeah. Or I just want to hear. Or you can go 10 seconds, 15. I just want to... You need to be getting it. Julie, that's actually a really good tip. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, now you. Okay. Put it on pause one sec. I don't think you know. <laughs> and we'll back it up. Sorry, the setup wasn't good enough. Oh, yeah. Start at the beginning of that scene. Okay. I'm not... Jeremy's like, what part... If, if basically here, um, they're exchanging... Uh, Kate and this guy are exchanging uh, notes on how each can improve. Right. And so... And they're at a coffee shop. They're just going to talk about what happened on their date. This is not a date. This is just they're going right. to break it down what happened sorry, in Jeremy. a friendly way. Good. <clears throat> Cheers to the end of us. Right. Oh. Oh. I got it. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Don't be nervous. I feel like I'm walking into a bear trap. No, 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 no. We're... We're going to just have a civil little chat and then we'll shake hands and then we'll walk away. Easy. Okay. <laughs> you first. Okay. I had a really amazing time with you, but you eat really fast. Yeah. Is that, that's it? Yes, that's it. <laughs> okay. So on your next date, yeah. not with me, but right. with whomever, nope. you should slow down and make your date feel like you're enjoying the moment. Julie, that's actually a really good tip. <laughs> You're welcome. 
<laughs> okay, now you. Okay. I don't think you know how to be genuine. What? 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 No, I'm sorry. You know what? what? Did this you is say? Bad idea. Bad idea. No, 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 no. Please. It's like you try too hard to be funny sometimes. All the time, maybe. And you put on this show, you know, the Julie show. <laughs> uh huh. Um, what you're saying? Yeah. Is really helpful. Really? Mm hmm. All right. <laughs> Shoot. I guess that's that. Yeah. It's <laughs> been super. Just so we're clear? Yeah. Did you enjoy the Julie show? Because you were laughing at my jokes the whole night. Yes. Well, I mean, you're a very funny woman. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you're upset because my show was better than your show. Maybe my show was Cirque du Soleil and your show was an old alcoholic birthday clown. Look, Julie, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't think it's going to work out. I know it's not going to work out. This is my post-breakup party. You're lucky to even be invited. No, wait, I'm, I'm sorry. You know what? Oh, God, bear trip. Maybe this is my fault. Maybe I'm used to being the funny one, and I didn't laugh enough at your jokes. But I can be a really good laugher. Yeah, you know what I do. <laughs> it's a great scene. It's really yeah. fun. It's you. I, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. It's very good. Yeah. It's oh, earnest, way, a little intense. I love it because, um, you know, I think of you, who do you think of yourself as personality wise? And then I'll tell you who I think of. Like what's my personality? A comedic wise. Like if we had an actress or a character. Um, I've always identified with Leslie Nope. Okay. <laughs> Explain Kind Leslie. of positivist comedy. Leslie. Le oh, Leslie Nope on Parks and Recreation played oh. by Amy Poehler. Okay. I think most of my comedy is sort of pop, pop, pop Positivist, feminine comedy. Um, okay. But mainly, I, I think what I've been told anyway is that my characters are people you really root for. You know, you really want them to succeed and they just don't. Right. <laughs> well, I think of, I think you have a little bit of Lucille Ball. Thank you. Oh, you know, she's one of my heroes. Yeah, because she's, she also is always trying and never quite makes yes, it. totally. But she's a bit of a clown. Yes, in absolutely. A, in a, in not in a... a insulting way I'm calling her a clown, but no, just, no, that's a badge you know, of honor in my book. Physical yeah. physicality and her vulnerability and her silliness. Totally. And she does have some masculinity about how she handles herself. She's very independent. Yet Vivacious. She, yeah, yeah. Yet she's has a feminine side to her. Absolutely. You know, and, yeah. and likes the traditional. Totally. But needs to often kind of wear the pants. Yeah. But, she's not, she's not a victim. She always has an idea and she goes for it. It's never like she's a victim of her circumstance and we're, we're, you know, she's not a buffoon. She's not like a Larry David buffoon necessarily. Yeah. Like she's charging ahead. That's who I see you as. By the way, um, the number here is 800-893-9562. If you would like to speak to Kate or myself, 800-893-9562. Do you have a spiritual life? Yes. Explain it. <laughs> Uh, I'm not religious, although I have dabbled in several religions. Um, Judaism ever? Never Judaism. Well, if you're interested, I'm right here. <laughs> um, I'm very aware that my creativity doesn't come from me. And so for the most part, I feel that I'm sort of the maintainer of the vehicle. That's my job. And so that I can just allow, allow the rest of it to happen. So most of my efforts are trying to create, trying to, to have like a, 
a form for the creativity to come through. And that creativity, I feel, to me, is very spiritual. And do you have a practice? Do you meditate daily? or I meditate journal? every day. Yep. How meditate long? every day. Uh, 15 minutes, usually. And what, what kind of meditation? 15 to 30. Are you focusing on breath? It's mostly breath. And um, I used to do formal meditation, and that didn't really... I, I changed it because I wasn't feeling connected. And then I, you know, as <laughs> as usual, I just make my own rules. But eventually I found something that, um, uh, yeah, it's mostly breath work. And I, I, the only, I can just describe it as I, it's a internal connection feeling that I know what it feels like. And so I can kind of find my way back to it. Is that also for anxiety? It helps a lot. <laughs> yeah, my boyfriend, when I... Um, I'm getting anxious or like visiting crazy town for a little bit. He'll say, maybe you should go meditate. <laughs> he doesn't meditate at all, but he, he's very supportive of when I meditate. Do you do it first thing in the morning or do you have a specific time? I do it after I get ready. So I, I don't do it the first thing. I know a lot of people like to do it right when they wake up because they're kind of a little bit sleepy. But for me, because I need it to work, um, I mean, for my creative work, um, it's actually better... For me, if I have my routine and I get up and eat breakfast and everything, and after I'm fully ready and dressed and showered, then I meditate. So that's sort of like... What does that look like? Are you sitting in like some kind of position or... Sitting or lying down and... Aren't you afraid you'll fall asleep if you're lying down? Mm, sometimes I do fall asleep when I just let it happen. You let set an alarm so you don't sleep through the... Yeah, I have a little, yeah, a little chime. Do you listen to a certain type of music? <clears throat> sometimes. I okay. try to follow my instincts on what I need. So it it's a little bit varied sometimes. And this is you do uh, every day, like a regiment. You don't skip a day. I I don't skip a day. In Be some way, I check in every day. If I don't, I can feel it. So I just make it. You attribute some of your creativity to taking that time first thing in the morning? Yes. It's just easier. I th It's much easier. What do you, <laughs> if, if you're focusing on the breath, Mm -hmm. Does that mean that if thoughts pass by, you just observe them and let them pass? Or are you consciously observing, uh, are you like a dog to a bone taking some of those thoughts and mulling them over? Um, I, hmm. <laughs> uh, I used to, I know what you're talking about because I know that's a very transcendental meditation kind of thing. Observe, and you and observe your thoughts. How I, because the way I do it now, I am not in a thought place. So I don't have thoughts during that time. Because you're so well trained? Because I've shifted out of my brain. How did you do that? I don't know. It just happened one time and then I've been able to follow it back. Are there times in the morning where you wake up after you've been dressed and ready to go where you just don't feel like doing it? No, I, I love it. I didn't used to love it when I did it formally. Like, Sit, you know, sit, set your timer, sit lotus style, observe your thoughts. Lotus style meaning legs crossed. Legs right? crossed, right. There's like a, a form that you're supposed to do it. And maybe it's right. just me because I'm sort of an outlier, but I, I, I what didn't. What by an outlier? Like a different, you like to do things different? Well, I've noticed, yeah, I've noticed that every time there's like a set of rules, I'll follow them until a point and then I'll realize they just totally don't work for me and then I'll do something else. Mm -hmm. And so this is one of those things, but I, uh, when I did do it that way and I, cause I wanted to get it, you know, I was like, oh, this is a thing. And you know, David Lynch meditates. It's gotta be awesome. And 
And people say, you know, you're so creative if you meditate. So I really studied it and went to some teachers and I mean, for years. And then for a while I did Buddha. I, I joined Buddhism for a while, chanted twice a day in front of that altar and everything. And like, I really wanted to get it. And then at some point it, I was like, oh, I just, I never want to do this. I just, it, it doesn't feel good. So you created, you, you self, you stylized it for yourself. I style it. I found a different way. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you meditate every day between, you decide that day if it's going to be 15 or 30 or whenever you're done, you're done. It's usually 30. I just, um, part of the joy of it is not having it be punishing. So if for some reason I have to get out of the house really fast or something and it has to be five minutes and not 15 minutes, then I'm, I'm always going to let myself off the hook. You know, I'll, I'll always check in for a few minutes, but. What does checking in mean? I mean, just do it for a few minutes. Okay. But I think maybe because I'm very a very driven person, I fall into the um, habit of self-punishing sometimes. So for me, it's really important to just be okay with if it's just a few minutes, but I aim for 30 mostly, but I never beat myself up if it's not. Anything else in your life that you, uh, you'd consider a spiritual practice? Everything. <laughs> really? Yeah, really. No, I mean, I sort of see everything that way. I think like connecting with you right now for me is like some somewhere in a spiritual realm. And um, I think it's all connected for me. It just is like, I, I, for me, that's really fun mm -hmm. and just kind of a, uh, oh, an easy way to, to experience things as joyful. And, you know, when you are connected with people, cause it, it's going in the other direction, then we're all different and separated and, you know, alone. So if I were, if I, uh, were to really th listen to you, you sound so positive. Mm -hmm. Annoying. And, uh, <laughs> I don't slap women. <laughs> <laughs> and I would never <laughs> Yeah. Does it sound really positive? Um, you sound Sounds really Pollyanna. A, a little bit, but that's mm -hmm. okay because it's more coming from me through my filter of, you know, <laughs> it's not meaning you truly are. I, I don't think you're coming off as false or anything, but I, but, and you've said you're anxious. You're very honest about that. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and I believe that. Um, what are, what would you say is like the biggest personal struggle you have to overcome uh, mentally or emotionally in your life uh, that could be, see, because I believe that everyone has struggles. Of course. You know, emo mentally, emotionally, but it's really how I deal with those problems. Of course. No. And what tools do I use? Yeah. So, you know, my tools come from therapy, lots of reading, doing my own spiritual work. So I'm curious that, like, you didn't say depre depression's not a problem for you. Is that correct? I... Uh, I mean, I've experienced depression. I can't, I have, I'm very close to people who have been clinically very depressed and I wouldn't say I ha have that. I don't want to dishonor right. them by saying that I've, I struggle with depression. I struggle with anxiety. Mm -hmm. And you said you do the meditation. Mm -hmm. Have you been to therapy for that? Oh yeah. I've been through tons of therapy. I love therapy. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I love therapy. Uh, and I love the tool you you suggested again to look at whatever I'm anxious about, look at the fear underneath, and then challenge the fear to see if it, how real it is, and what would happen if whatever I'm anxious about were to occur. Yeah, and it's never as bad as I would imagine. Right, I, for me, it's emotional. I have to like feel it. I really have to like actually let it resonate as an emotion because I know if it if I don't do that, it shows up either as anxiety or inertia. So I'll either shut it down 
and just not want to do anything. Has that just happened? Be frozen. Have you oh, been yeah. inactive ever? Have you ever just not gotten out of bed or just not I've done not, any work? I can't say. I mean, I've got, gotten out. My inertia looks more like distraction and sort of just like don't want to do anything. But I also don't want to be lazy. So I just kind of am lazy <laughs> at work. Okay. But you, you um, seem to me to be quite disciplined. Explain to me your self-discipline. Hmm. Uh, what does that look like on a daily basis or on a regular basis, if not daily? Um, a lot of it is organizational. I, I just think, I mean, there's so many things in the world I'm really curious about, which is how I ended up an editor, actor, writer, web designer, programmer, <laughs> director. Where's the fear, Kate? Oh, failure. Totally, fear of failure. But, it's, looking at but it doesn't stop you. Uh, <laughs> most of the time. Well, okay. No, here, here's a huge fear of mine. Um, auditions terrify me. This has happened since I was like auditioning for plays in high school. I, I ended up not doing theater, but I did speech and debate in high school. And I went to uh, Northwestern because they don't have, you don't have to audition. It's like one of the best acting schools and it's the only one you don't have to audition for. So I went there <laughs> I didn't audition for any schools because I'm so terrified. And I moved to, when I first moved to New York, I was like, oh my God, I get got to get over this. I'm a professional actress. The only thing, my only job is to audition. And I ended up um, making this book, this book of blank pages that had a hundred pages in it. And I said, my only, I'm not going to worry about the fear. I'm just going to worry about filling up this book. And by what, you know, I'll write down on audition per page. And by the time I get to page 100, I will be over this fear. And so that's what I did. So that's what I did to keep myself going. So I'm still terrified what were you of auditions. In each page. Oh, like every time I got an audition, I wrote, you know, the time and the place and what to wear and all that stuff. So okay. it was a hundred auditions when I was done with this book. And you were okay by the end? No. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I got on a hundred auditions. Have you ever thought about publishing that book? And calling it a hundred auditions? <laughs> it's really boring. It's really like well, stupid stuff though. It Maybe. might be interesting. Maybe you Maybe. could punch it up a little. Yeah, they yeah, because they're all for really crummy things. <laughs> that might be kind of funny, but no, I hate, and that's how I ended up producing all my own stuff because I, I think I'm, a, I'm so afraid of um, auditioning that wow. I, I was like, I'll just make my own roles because it's so much easier and I'll never have to be rejected. <laughs> no, it makes sense, and it's really <laughs> yeah. ambitious. Yeah. So how much? Do you, the first uh, show, uh, the second one, the love, love. Uh, say it again. I funny in love. Right. Sorry, it just drew a blank. Funny in Love was $1,500 an episode. You were paid for that. That came from somewhere. Uh, the first series you did um, with the auditioning, that uh, that's Actress... Um, Actor Diaries. Sorry, I'm... No, that's okay. Act, yeah, Actress Diaries. What was the budget on that? That cost me about $10,000 to that's do out of your own four pocket episodes. Or wherever yeah, you were getting. it took okay. me about a year and a half to raise, to, you know, work day jobs to get the money and stuff. How much uh, did that help your career? Oh my God, so much. Really? Yeah, so I decided, so I came here and I thought, okay, I'm not gonna do this the way I've been doing it before. I'm just gonna make my own content. I'm not gonna use it. You know, it was it was typical for people to like make a web short, use it as a quote unquote calling card mm -hmm. and have people watch it to try to get them in the door. And I was like, that sounds terrible. I'm not gonna do that because I hate knocking on doors. I just, I don't, I would rather people just see it and enjoy it and eventually someone will come my way. Right. So I made, so I, so then my only job became to make it really good. And I started out, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I wanted to write about actors because I think our business is so crazy that there's so many, there's so much good material in there. And 
I wrote two sketches as an experiment. I wrote one that I was in and another one that my two friends were in, but I directed and produced it. And I put them both, they're really simple. I shot them in a weekend. I hired a crew off of Craigslist. I didn't know anybody. And I put them up on Vimeo. And one of them, I put them up in the middle of the night. And I guess somewhere over in Brooklyn in the Vimeo staff, there was somebody online and he saw the one that I was in. The Actor's Diaries? Yeah. It was the first episode of The Actor Diaries. And he put it on the staff best pick list that night. So I went to bed and the next day it had 10,000 hits because it was on his best pick. And then like, you know, a few days later, it just grew and grew and grew and grew and it was amazing. And the other one had maybe 200 hits. <laughs> Which other one? The, uh, I'd put two up. And okay, one, episode two? No, or? it was a totally different one. There, there was no arc to this story. It was just, I was just kind of doing little sketches about being an actor. Okay. And so the second one I took down and I thought, okay, now I'll write a series about this character that, you know, 100,000 people loved. Yeah. And so I saved up a bunch of money over the next year and wrote three more based on this character and um, shot them and put them online. And I just, I said, only sent them to my friends. I was like, this is going to be an experiment to see if I can make something that people inherently want to pass on, not something that I'm forcing down people's throats, you know? And um, about six to eight months later, I, and I didn't have an agent. I, I decided when I moved here, I was not going to look for an agent because I, that just makes me so miserable. I don't like peddling myself where people don't, and I don't like peddling things that people don't need or believe in. Yeah. So I was like, I'm just going to have creative fun and see where it goes. And so eight months later I got, I was in my tiny little apartment in Koreatown and I started to get phone calls. One from um, Fox, some network executive over at Fox had seen it. One from uh, Fremantle Media, which if you don't know, there was the, they're the producers behind American Idol. And so that series got you a Fremantle deal. Which and was, a Fox deal. Okay, but the Fox deal didn't work out at the end, correct? Right. We never, nothing was produced for for us to see online, but the other one is the one we, the clip we just heard right. was a result of that. Right. And then is that how you got your current agent? Yeah, so the Fremantle, the Funny in Love series, um, we finished it and, and Fremantle wanted to pitch it as a TV show. So they started um, showing it to various people and one of the people they showed it to was um, Kelsey Grammer's production company. And, but I hadn't finished editing. Editing takes forever. So I hadn't finished editing <laughs> Funny in Love. So what, during this meeting that they were having with Kelsey's company, they said, well, we don't have any clips to show you for this sh- new show we made, but watch her Actor Diaries clips. They're really funny. And they said, oh, we love the Actor Diaries. We think Kelsey Grammer would jump at the chance to do a show about actors because he's one. And they optioned it. And I wrote a pilot for them. So you made some money. Yeah. Was that a Writer's Guild deal? Nope. <laughs> but now you're in the guilt. So yeah, so it worked out. And then mainly I ended up with um, Kelsey Grimmer's agents. So oh, that really? was amazing. You're and writing. It, yeah. We have to go. Jeremy, do we have a, a minute or are we? Okay, cool. Um, one question I haven't asked you is, you know, you, you come off as an actress, but now you're going to be writing yeah. on a sitcom. Do you feel like you're not really fulfilling your dream? Oh no, I don't care. I just want to tell stories. I don't, I don't care if I'm in them or write them or produce them. I just want to tell good stories. It doesn't matter to me at all. Okay, good. Yeah. 
Well, I want to thank you again for coming here. Thank you for having me. We went, you feel so special. Well, you are special. And you should feel that way all the time. I know you're going to be you're going to be amazing on the show and you've got an incredible future. You've already done great work. And really check her out. Check out her stuff. I think you'll really like it. It's it's good for any age. It's except I guess the clown sex. There was a warning on that for a doll. I didn't, I don't know why. I mean, it was very tame. So PG. It just shows what we I We shouldn't say that no one will watch it. It's triple yeah. X. It's very dirty if you want to see. It's triple X with clothes on. Yeah, that's so. right. Although I think he's topless. Um, true, true. Thanks again, Kate. Good luck with the new job. Uh, thank you. Look forward to following up. We'll have you come back, see how it went. And thank you all for listening to Vic Cohen's It's a Fair Question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question.